1: On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always... Thanks for listening and all the great ratings and reviews and feedback and email you guys send me about the show. I really appreciate it, and it means a lot to me that you're getting such a great amount of stuff out of this. So, awesome. Now, on to my guest for today, Michael D'Aloya, CEO of Evergreen Podcasts. Michael holds an MBA in finance from Case Western Reserve but he's earned his chops as a business leader and entrepreneur by his involvement with a variety of successful entrepreneur projects. While he didn't study, quote-unquote, entrepreneurship, such as a track that didn't even exist when he went to grad school, he grew up with grandfathers who ran their own businesses. Michael co-founded Bluebridge Networks and EmergingChefs.com. He also served as a tech czar for the city of Cleveland. Currently, as CEO of Evergreen Podcasts in Cleveland, He's taken on the challenge of how to monetize the booming podcast industry. Evergreen has gone from starting with like 17,000 downloads in 2018 up to 4.2 million in the last year. And Michael hopes to see that number double next year as well. Evergreen Podcast started with radio shows designed to help parents at home with their kids on the topics of literature and history. The company has taken this Evergreen quote-unquote idea and is growing it into a much larger podcasting platform to become what Michael says, the Jan Brady of companies. Michael works closely with his chief creative officer, who he shares an office with, and he hopes to go back to working closely in person soon, since we're clearly still in COVID. He values human interaction and sees the importance of being able to share ideas and thoughts throughout the day in order to really do creative work. Now, let's get better... Together, Michael d'Aloya, welcome to the podcast
2: It's a thrill man thanks for uh for taking the time to talk with me on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, well, thanks for coming on like you're on a podcast network and you run a <laughs> podcast network and I'm on blue wire and you're on evergreen. yep should we like Duke it out <laughs> <laughs>
2: It does feel that way a little bit, like Justice League and yeah, yeah, Marvel
1: Universe, DC Comics. You know, if you're into that sort of stuff, exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah, you know, we're a little different. We love all
1: podcasters, right? So we, you know, we we'll throw out the love to anybody, including Blue Wire. (laughs) Cool, cool. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I do PR marketing and strategic communications for my day job, and this podcast is sort of my hobby slash. I use it to practice talking to people and kind of biz dev, like, right. how do I like talk to humans, you know, cause I, I'm a highly functional introvert that way. Um, but what's interesting is I talked to a lot of PR and marketing and comms people and they're like, why do you have your competitors on your show? And I'm like, really? I, t- I think <laughs> the pie is pretty huge. I'm not worried about it. Like they're not really going to steal the people that I work with. We're all different. And I think it's just good to have conversations about the industry specifically, right? right. Cause podcasting's big now. Blue wire, as you know, we talked a little bit before the show, it's blowing up like a rocket ship. I mean, it's just got so many things going on. And you know, we could talk a little bit about it. It's humble origins <laughs> if you want, because like I always say, they give Crazy Uncle Jari a podcast because I was there in the beginning. But uh, but before we talk about that and evergreen and kind of what you're doing now, why don't you give us a little background on how you got to do what you're doing today?
2: Yeah, well. When I was going to grad school, that's how I came to Cleveland, Ohio. I got somehow accepted in the Case Western Reserve, which at the time was like a top 25 business school. And, and I, I never questioned why. I just drove up the, the very day I got accepted in. And, and uh, I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was a kid, although I didn't really understand the term or what it meant. Both my grandfathers had businesses. One had um, a dairy truck that he drove around one of the last dairy trucks in Dayton, Ohio. And the other had a sporting goods, chain, you know, one of the, the local chains, four or five stores. And I I was really struck by their work ethic and the fact that they knew everybody on planet earth, it seems right. Uh, So fast forward to get the case and they didn't really have entrepreneurial studies at the time. It was, you know, you, going through grad schools like investment banking, venture capital, right? Uh, corporate banking, um, HR, some of the hard, harder sciences or harder uh, elements. So I never really studied to become a CEO of a podcast business. I have had many entrepreneurial companies. I've invested in a number of entrepreneurial companies. I was really sitting on the beach. I was consulting with a tech company here in town. I just sold a company to To Living Social, I was one of the initial investors. Yeah, okay. Uh, just met my wife, and we we just had a kid, and uh, I get a call one day from a guy named Steve Kalia who who do who would run another tech company here in town. We it was a tight community here in Cleveland,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he's like, "Listen, man, I just interviewed for this job," and I told him I stood up and I told him I'm not the guy. But I know the guy; He's very dramatic. <laughs> and, and you're the guy. And I'm like, okay, I'm the guy. Who am I supposed to talk to? And so he introduced me to uh, the family. So I got introduced to Joan uh, Andrews, and she had mentioned, well, you know, I started this radio company many years ago. I had worked for Cablevision. Well, it turns out Joan is one of the um, Dolan family members who owns the Cleveland Indians and who mm. had, their families had owned uh, Cablevision. Mm. And the family was actually a client of mine many years ago, her brother, Paul, who, who was the chairman of the Cleveland Indians. So, you know, this is perfect for blue.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like we're going to talk Cleveland Indian sports. I don't think we have a Cleveland Indians podcast. I'll have to check because we got like 140 <laughs> So I know, right? I'm it's sorry. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, Kevin and, and the guys. Hey, we we I, do I, I have
2: something. a Cleveland Indians podcast, so I'm willing to make a trade. Let's <laughs> make a
1: trade right now. <laughs> All right. Ooh, isn't it like there's some sort of trade stuff going on, right? Yeah. yeah isn't it the NFL yeah, totally. doing some stuff? It, it, okay. The
2: trade deadline's not for another month, so we're oh, good. Well, there we're we good. go. We can still negotiate this.
1: All right. I got it. I got gotcha. you. Right. So,
2: so Joan had come up with an idea of taking some old radio programming that they had had or she had owned. And turning it into podcasts, and um, and it was geared towards the stay-at-home parent, be it father, mother, who were probably educating their kids and some other things. So it it was evergreen content. But this was before even evergreen. It was the original podcast co- company was called uh, uh, the Front Porch People. So more you know folksy, homespun mm-hmm. type of content.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We started off with four podcasts, and I, th- I think our first year was like. 17,800 downloads and you know we're not as big as <clears throat> blue wire i mean we're growing but you know we, we're doing that more than that in a day yeah. right now yeah. but then that was a whole that was a whole year Yeah. wow and it took about 18 months and we we're like hey it's not this isn't going to work you know we really got to think through what we're going to do or we were going to cl- close shop and
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know we had hired a chief creative officer and he's like hey you know we do evergreen content i mean there's there's a brand there you know there's a niche we could do something really fun and um and and pivot to more of a personality host-driven content as opposed to just generic evergreen content but uh you know still have that flavor but really provocative guests and hosts Mm -hmm. and so we made that pivot in late 2018 Mm. um it's like October, November, December, we really started to kind of get things um, moving forward, and since then, it's been um, holding on for dear life. You know, I tell people all the time, we're either going to blow up or we're going to blow up. I don't know which one. <laughs> I'm gonna blow it either
1: way, <laughs> either way, it's some blowing up going to happen yeah, for sure. It's big flames and yeah, fire flames. and it's Hopefully, cool. it's it's not the uh, spontaneous. Uh, what's it called? Deassembly procedure that you know SpaceX has when their rockets crash.
2: <laughs> no none, none of that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really going for a successful trip to Mars or Saturn yeah. or something like that to exactly. see the black bar in space. yeah exactly. uh, so you know that first year as Evergreen we did a million downloads. last year we did 4.2 this year we're on target to double that. So you know it's been a, an interesting ride um, and, but getting back to the question, I never in my life thought I'd be running a podcast company. Podcasts weren't even a thing when I went to to grad school. I mean, the internet came out yeah. uh, when I was yeah. in grad school. Yeah. That was the first time I had an email.
1: Yeah.
2: Was yeah. in grad school, so from like '95 until now, the world has in in twenty a little over twenty years radically changed. Um, but I'm thrilled, <clears throat> and we're you know we the family is still our, our major investor, although we're mm-hmm. looking for others they've been super patient, probably a little, a little bit too much, too patient. Um, they, they really take in a lot of, you know, counsel and they they're deep thinkers. And, um, and so, you know, obviously we're hitting the challenge of, we've built incredible infrastructure, mm-hmm. whether we do one podcast a day or a million, the infrastructure is not going to be the thing. And, and we've got a great team of account managers and, Network developers who are out there trying to get us the next show and production. We got great studios. You know, our, our curious pain point at the moment is fitting the revenue model on top of the spaceship that we have. And it's not an unusual predicament, but it's a painful predicament.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and is probably the key strategic mistake I made early on mm-hmm. that I fully admitted. And uh, had have been you know begging for forgiveness. You know we early on it was all infrastructure and content,
1: uh-huh. right? Like
2: let's just build these big content catalogs, and we'll we'll grow into to revenue. Mm. This is not my first rodeo. You know I I, I started Bluebridge Networks, which is still around today, which was a you know, data hosting business. Mm. You know I, I helped um, fund and start Onassis, which got sold to Living Social. And uh, recently, we bought a, another data hosting business, which we turned into Century, which we, you know, we sold. So I've had some pedigree on how to build these things. And everywhere I've gone, I've been known as the guy who creates revenue. Mm. So it, it's a, it's confounding me a bit. You know, I just lay in the cards out, like, you know, i, I I've known how to do this in other industries. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out my bearings and my sea legs in this one. Yeah. Uh, we have multiple revenue streams. They're just not producing at the pump what we want. And so we got to figure it out and that's what we're doing right now. It's a, but you're coming at a time where I think a year ago, I did have hair.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I always say, yeah, the gray in the beard is for a reason, (laughs) you know? And um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your open and honest, you know, assessment of where you're at. I mean, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs don't don't take that assessment you know i mean it, this is a this podcasting thing is just such a strange beast because on the one hand it's super kind of like organic diy kind of like distributed basically pirate radio right like you know and i love that and i um, love that aspect of it because like literally anyone can do this and it's true i mean if i can do it like literally anyone can do it but the problem with anything free or freemium or whatever, it's like, okay, how do I make revenue at it? And, you know, even in normal media, right. The predominant revenue model is advertising and advertising has been around forever. And it's a bit of a fickle beast and, it uh, does it really, no, work? Right, does it really yeah. Not work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the
2: great thing, the best thing about podcasting you mentioned, it, it's, it's a, it's a democratized technology. The worst thing about podcasting, it's democratized. Technology. Yeah, yeah. There's a free supply.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, just an overabundance of supply. There's not 2.1 million television shows out there. Right. Although it probably seems like it. Yeah. You know, you know, we're just, I think we've carved out a nice middle market in what we call the Jan Brady, you know, kind of, we're not the large independents like Wondery or Gimlet. Mm. We're in that next stage of, of of companies that are growing rapidly. But we're, we are going to find our place. Make you know, no doubt about oh, it. Oh yeah, you will. Um, we've seen in in the last six months a radical change in the revenue flow. It's just still not at the velocity that I want. Um, we recently, you know, we're, we're going to look at some new leadership. On that front, but more importantly, in the interim, we we were doing a sales enablement. We we hired a consulting group to just mm-hmm. walk us through what what are we missing? Yeah, because you know we're we're good at implementing and then can you know just continuously improving upon that implementation that we know. Um, I don't know if we've ever had a solid game plan on this on the sales front. Um, it kind of got piecemealed. We're opportunistic. We jumped mm-hmm. into some markets. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, we've got revenue flowing in, but our growth
1: has been much faster
2: than the revenue supply.
1: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> no, that's it what happens in these democratized, you know, oh, free yeah. to be you and me kind of markets, right? Absolutely, huge. Like you hit, you hit a, you hit a vein. You find like a talent. You got great content. It explodes, but then there's always this lag, and the lag is. Revenue catching up with the organic, crazy growth, right? It's it's it's, it's a Harvard case study.
2: I mean, yeah, no, serious. it is. No,
1: right? it 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 hundred percent is, and I'm I'm sure they'll do one on Blue Wire too, because, um, you know, from where Kevin started this back a couple of I mean, like a couple of years ago when I first met him, and I've talked about this before. You know, he had like three or four podcasts and didn't know what he was doing and like should I even do this and you know I mentored him a little bit and, and then he you know we got got him into 500 startups and then from there he was like he's a very trainable guy like he gets it and he's always been like how am i going to grow the engine and same every everyone has this problem in the podcast space right like how do you make money at this what is it <laughs> what's the <laughs> nut like you know <laughs> i got all these downloads and people are listening but you know, how do I make money at it? And, um, I don't think anyone has the absolute answer for that, but I think like anything, cause I mean, this happened in the internet, it happens in the internet, right. With all these, the pop-up ads, the banner ads and all this other stuff. And now that stuff sort of, you know, arbitraged out. And now it's content that drives, interaction with a customer that drives communities. Now it's all about communities. Everyone wants a community, right? Um, And that's, I think, where monetization is going to happen. When you can have a community of people that know, like, and trust you, they will be more, they'll just be more willing to buy from you. And I think you see this on the more on the, you know, the B2B side of things, especially SaaS companies. I think the SaaS company model, the freemium to revenue No one knows in the podcasting. Well, what's the revenue? (laughs) Like, what's the freemium? I know what that is. I like you can listen to me for free. I mean, on the on the Blue Wire Network, you'll hear some ads. But then, what's that next level of interaction with the customer, and then the customer to some sort of revenue model that is sustainable? So, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. It's a real tough journey,
2: man. It really is a journey, and but I, I think we've got all the elements to be successful. We got great culture. Uh, we've got currently, you know, great investment backing. We've got a great team of intellectually curious free thinkers who aren't afraid to step into the breach and say I'm wrong all the time, or to even say, Hey, you're not really needed in this meeting. You know, we can handle it. And I've got two millennials running, the two most critical parts of the business in my mind, outside of sales, be account management and production. And, uh, you know, they're, they're young, they've made mistakes for sure. And, but I, I go to sleep at night. Like I just trust what they're doing. Um, the clients and our hosts and our partner podcast, they all love them because you know, they, even if they do make a mistake, it's an earnest. It's it wasn't like you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't nefarious or anything. It's yeah. just
1: like I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I erased your
2: entire catalog. Of yeah,
1: sorry about that. Process problem. <laughs> Let me file a bug. Ah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had that happen, but yeah, I I,
2: I'm. You know, I'm buying on Evergreen. I just we got growth issues that we got to figure out. Yeah. We we've agreed. The partners are actually buying a building. Wow! Uh, to that was an old radio station. So we've got additional uh, soon. Um, we'll have additional capacity on on the pot on the production side, mm. and it'll be a, just a new home for us post COVID. Like we're just starting this brand new era. Yeah. In in the company, yeah. so we're really excited about making that transition as well.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, <clears throat> totally. I think the the post COVID, I don't know if it's going to be resurrection or growth or whatever. Um, those companies that have survived through this and that are planning for growth, I think it's going to happen. Like I've already I already see it. I already see it even in my own business, where there's just so many people that want to learn how to tell better stories about their brand and their company, their te- their tech companies mostly, and just like we see, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and it's not a train coming at us as the old joke goes. It's, you know, it's the light of the world and it's the blueness, woohoo, you know? Um, and do you, do you guys specifically focus on certain kind of content or is it just like, yeah, tell me a little bit about how the business works because I mean, I know how blue wire works, but I'm curious how you guys have set it up.
2: Yeah, well, originally, we, you know, we took the original shows and we just kind of built upon them. They were, they, the shows were in um, music, entertainment, literature, <clears throat> history. And those were the original channels we built out. Like, we, we felt like uh, we understand this type of content. And so early on, obviously, we just had the individual show in that category. We got wise to the fact, like, whoa, well, we, we could start aggregating shows around history um we have four of the top 10 HR tech podcasts. I mean, that that's a true long tail niche. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and th- these guys were like doing tours, you know, going out to events <laughs> before wow. COVID. So we were we're starting to align content in the channel based, and the, then we're selling sponsorships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. based into the, the channel as mm-hmm. opposed to just the ad buy. Right. There's still inventory, even if we were like sold half of our sponsorships per category mm-hmm. where we could slot in additional ads. And to our sales part internally too, we've also developed we got weekly download reports that we give out to our sales partners. And then we we have a top 25 list internally. Mm-hmm. And now we're finding as we're divvying that out to our sales partner, they're starting to prune the shows they want in an ad campaign. Mm-hmm not by genre necessarily, some are, but we're now we're noticing uh, they're, they're picking in demo shows based on demographic. Yep. Yep. And that's how they're aligning. So it's, it's a matrix that we're trying to build right of channel demo. Mm -hmm. and we'll keep on slicing that pie. Right. And, and there are certain demos and genres that are just going to have platinum level, um sponsorship or or cpm rates attached to it yeah and that's great we we didn't do sports early on uh we do have a a a growing very young fledgling uh sports channel Mm
1: -hmm. you
2: know it's been interesting to see what other podcast companies do because blue wire obviously sports
1: and you're the outlier, right? I mean, I am. I am literally, like I said, crazy Uncle Jari. Yeah, put him in the corner.
2: Because <laughs> uh, we noticed that they're building categories early on of NBA podcast in Denver, right? You know, yeah. NFL podcast by city.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's been done before, but there was if you could really hone in on quality content and hit those categories for that city and build up that that you know demo you could really sell a lot of CPMs and ads. Yep. So that was one way to do it. We we just went another route. We were, we were focused on more classical, I would say, genres mm-hmm. early on, and we're building up into different categories. So we, we're going to be launching soon a, a true crime network. Um, we already have a smattering of true crime shows. We would like to get into true crime, paranormal, and investigative type podcast. That'll go into a different brand yeah evergreen will stay true with its its channel methodology uh and we'll look at the top 25 genres in the podcasting world we'll start to build channels based upon that Mm -hmm. because that's kind of built in right people know those things apple kind of set how you search by genre right and everyone's using that same you know lexicon and so we'll just match that And, and that's that's been the 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 kind of the reasoning and logic behind what we're doing at at evergreen. Um, and on the content side, it has blown me away. It's working. Our most of our growth has come from partner podcasts. So mm-hmm. those independents who are looking for a home. yep, they handle the production, and we and then we handle all their sales and marketing mm-hmm. for them. That's been our our deep growth engine. Our original podcasts have grown significantly, but nothing to the degree of the partner podcast. And one thing that we've done well in the marketplace is we have built a well-known brand that people respect and admire. Even our competitors, you know, when we talked to Gimlet or Wondery and they, they kind of looked at us like
1: a little baby (laughs) in acrylic. Yeah, you're cute. Yeah. Uh, Well, like (laughs) never, like, this is the thing you learn. I mean, you've known, you've sold businesses, you know, you're in the thing. Like you never underestimate the hungry ones below you they will eat your ever. Lunch. <laughs> ever that's okay rule rule number one from uh uncle michael and uncle jari today crazy uncles both crazy uncles um don't underestimate your competitors even if they're small <laughs> there's, there, there's value in
2: those uh totally it, yeah it, it, based upon relationship strategy market there's it, a lot of things and and listen, we we we've gotten active too. We've been buying properties. You know, to date, we've invested in four different, you know, podcast networks. And part of the deal is well, if you we invest in you, you got to come on to the Evergreen Network. And so they're starting to fulfill channel development for us as well. So we we have an investment in Ars Longa. They're our health and wellness channel powered by Arslanga. So we're trying to build this really, you know, like minor, minor, right now, minor league system. (laughs) uh, And that we hope to graduate to, you know, uh, consistent major league play. Um, But we're all kind of learning together. And that's the great thing is like, you know, the Ars Longas and the podcast radios, five minute news, these, these things that we've acquired, we're all on the same boat. We all have the same problems. (laughs) Yeah, Literally. It's crazy. And, We've talked with other groups about merging or buying them and it's literally the same thing. Yeah. Content growth, crazy downloads are fantastic. That long tail of revenue hasn't swung our way yet. I, I personally believe and we are slowly starting to build internally that platform from which we could start bolting on other brands and content and and enroll up, to a small degree that middle market of Jan Brady's in the podcast industry and be it the, the distribution and hosting so that a true software as a service kind of a mechanism yep. to the content plays and, and, and really, and, and other things, other different types of podcast technology, analytics, you know, however you
1: define it. Yeah. Analytics are horrible in the podcast industry. The worst. like
2: right?
0: It's the worst. Of there, all
1: the I've been in, it's the worst. It, it's, 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 it's just almost trash, honestly. I mean, if we I'm, had an industry standard that was
2: really resonating, like we are, we're IAB, everyone's IAB, and, yeah. and I understand that. But if we had more detail really down to the zip code, I, I, I feel connected with, you know, um, a true demo t- trait, the CPM rates would go through the roof because well, really people are buying, they're yeah. buying blind in a lot of respects.
1: Yeah, it is blind. It's absolutely blind, but I mean, th- think about it with the internet. Like, just so I always think of this as the podcast industry is a very early internet. So the internet back in the day didn't know who was there. It was a random wild west. Who knew what was going to happen? You had Excite Networks. You had all these people build, 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 build. Right? We're at that phase. Great content. You know, it's all about you know downloads. It's all about you know page views we'll figure revenue out before uh, later on, like, like we'll make it up on revenue or we'll make it up on volume. Right. Is what they used to say. Right. Okay. So the analogy I think is pretty solid because <clears throat> what's happening now is huge growth, a lot of great content, content's king, quality content has a following, having a following leads to more downloads, leads to more downloads. You now have ballast. right? So there's next stage is consolidation, right? Just Standards kind of thing, so you're Absolutely. seeing that, pe- you know, what's the play? How are we going to consult? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I mean, you saw this with like the streaming video with Netflix and Blockbuster and all those ones. You see it now, like all those, you know, Netflix made it standard. Now you got all the pluses: Hulu Plus, Disney Plus, Apple Plus, plus everything. Like y'all couldn't come up with a better name. Oh, HBO Max. Okay, right. All right, fine. Like creative, really. Like don't even tell me. Like y'all are just like printing money, like fall off a log, right? You're, you're like the Procter and Gamble <laughs> of content now. Like,
2: Hey, we have a new color toothpaste. We're going to sell billions. But you know, you, you bring up a really interesting point with these plus, uh, platforms. While their video currently, they certainly support an audio play. Yeah. And one of the things we've been looking at is, well, how do we get their attention as yeah. an extra strategy, you know, moving forward? Yeah. Cause if HBO who, who has dipped their toe into to podcasts, Chernobyl being a perfect example yeah. of content on HBO Max, it has an outside podcast. Yeah, my argument to HBO Max is that podcast should be inside that that universe. I can watch the Chernobyl show and then immediately click and play the podcast for a recap. Um, things that I missed, right? Easter eggs. Game of Thrones. I mean,
1: how the podcast, look at look all at all the podcast shows around that. Look at The Walking Dead.
2: Another. They had, example they had. They had
1: The Walking Dead, and they had after or post whatever the show was after the episode. But just think of it from like when I think about this in terms of media, I think of it from a very holistic point of view. So, I have a piece of content. It's very good. My my goal is, I'm going to have i have the highest quality content I can because. Content really does quality content people listen to, right? What and we all know this. Okay. So now the question is distribution. I have a piece of content, where can I distribute it? So if I'm a podcaster, right? I throw it out into the democratic universe of podcasting. I'm on pirate radio. Everyone's swashbuckling and we're all, you know, <laughs> you know, free to be you and me. We're on the pirate ship, right? Well, a lot of podcasters now throwing it on YouTube. Well, YouTube's the second largest search engine in the world. It's two people talking on the on the video. It's not that interesting, but another distribution channel. So, to your point, which I think I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Podcasts, I think, are going to consult in the next three to four years are going to consolidate to these channels, these plus models, quote unquote, where they're going to be doing partner content that's crossover between video. I mean, like Joe Rogan podcast. I don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I look at the YouTube clips right? Used to listen to it, but now it's on Spotify. I'm like, ah, man, it's only on, right? But it's it's an avenue. So I think from a holistic point of view, podcast networks are going to creep up on the bottom and start doing not only, you know, partner content, series content, you know, long form narration, storytelling, like 1694, whatever that one was called. And then they're going to start moving into video and the video is not going to be that good. It's not. It's going to be like YouTube video, but then it's going to generate. Oh, hey, I want to do a TV series. I want to do a spinoff. I want to do this. It's I, it. To me, it's like what talk AM talk radio used to be back in the day. Like it's going to happen, and the and the networks that are supporting that, the networks that are thinking multimedia, omni media, process, platform, talent development, deal making with these other partners. It's like anything. It's it's. There's going to be this consolidation, and people are going to pick their side, and then there's going to be you know five, six big partners, and it's all gonna, and then the revenue is going to hit. <laughs> and I, I'm crying. Well, I, I, I hope, I hope they're paying for that terminal value when we exit. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I mean, you know, what do we know? But I mean, that's what it feels like. It does. I mean, it it's does really. Feel it like. And yeah, it's like, how the hell are we going to make money at this? And the beautiful thing again, is that it's democratic pirate radio, free to be you and me, but it's a very powerful medium because it can be long form. It can be short form. You can listen to it while you run, you get in the car, you know, when commuting starts again, you will see it's going to spike because people are like, I got a 40 minute commute. I mean, it may not be as much as it used to be because people may not commute as much anymore, but over time. As things open up, you'll see podcasting start to even grow bigger. Because I agree with you on that too. Yeah, yeah. need something to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what I love about podcasting, and I think it, was, it, it, we're a whole creative staff. We got musicians, writers, yeah. producers for video, uh, directors. It, it, it's a really fascinating uh, crew we have here, and it. What what fascinates me is it it is the the new age version of the oral tradition yeah, of how things got passed down and we're finally canonizing 100%. it
1: 100%.
2: in in a really provocative way. And listen, people love storytelling. And, and, and in fact, when we go to sleep at night, our mind immediately clicks <laughs> into storytelling and, and dreams and, you know, deep thoughts and things of that nature, you know, uh, it keeps our nocturnal self satisfied and fed. Yeah with stories too. So I agree with you. I, I think we're in like the top of the second inning on podcasts. Um, true. I think all of us are struggling a bit with the revenue model. Uh, I, I, I can't be sure, but I just have a feeling that neither Gimlet nor Wondery were while they had revenue. I don't know if they were profitable. Oh,
1: I, I know Gimlet wasn't profitable when it got.
2: Bought. See, I had a feeling too. No that way. It, there's no way. No, that, way. That that
1: no way. Yeah.
2: But they, you know, they really built out a fantastic brand, and we early on modeled ourselves after after Gimlet on the original podcast side.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a genius. Like he he got it. Like, and and that's what I mean. Like, if you see, this is what happened back in the internet days, like two thousand, right? Two thousand uh, before the crash, 98, 99, Then the crash, and then things started to consolidate. Well, what was happening? Hey, this internet thing seems to be useful. Oh people can make money at it. Oh, you can buy things. Like the, it, it took a decade to kind of really sort it out. And now we're in the second decade or the, like maybe the third decade of the SaaS and you know, now everyone's a SaaS company and everyone's a subscription and you have so many su- subscriptions. You, I can't just buy something like gosh, I just want to can I just buy your stupid software? Oh no, it's 8.99 a, a month and you could get it for $5 a month if you pay in advance like, "Gee, really?" <laughs> you know, we're at that same point we're before that. We're like the decade before that. Now, I don't think it's going to take a decade, but we're how are we going to make money at this? And I I hope I hope the answer to that is that well-written content, good content, good networks that are really serving their customer and have a very good fan base and that are multi-omni media, you know, are going to win. I mean, you you talk to a lot of um podcasters like how they make money is they make money on the merchandise, as an example, like, you know, even some of these movies, like, look at the Marvel universe, where are they really making their money, you know, so you could see how do we apply these things that have literally gone the same path, like, there's no doubt in my mind, the same path, what's it going to be for podcasting? And and I talked with um, Chris Terry over at Gen Z Media. I don't know if you know Gen Z Media. Um, do you? Yeah. Yeah. And his whole thing was awesome content that people love build the IP and literally like there's books, there's merch, there's movie deal. I mean, again, he's omni media. Like how can I take the craft that I do? Well, I mean, and he was a jazz musician guy. So he's like, loves music and sound and parlay that into everything. And he's, I mean, they, you know, Mars Patel, the podcast, like they released a book. (laughs) I mean, so you can imagine, I mean, uh, yeah, I know, Syria, like, uh, really? Because I, I'm like, hell you know, yeah. So you can imagine you're really going to be an omni media company and you literally going to start in podcasting.
2: Yeah. No, I, I feel that's the evolution to be sure. We, yeah. Obviously, we had to start somewhere. I feel this tremendous momentum behind us. Hmm. And honestly, I was in the early days, I was fretting about content. Content for, there's such an abundance of independent podcasters who really desire a home and have some of this tasks of being a podcaster taken off their plate. I mean, po- podcasting, while it's cool and fun, it's a lot of work, man. It's mm-hmm. There's a lot of steps
1: mm-hmm.
2: that need to be fulfilled before you can get that thing out in a quality way, a quality format. Right. Yeah, you can't just like throw up a blog post and like that's easy. <laughs> Uh, it's It's been pretty wild. But, you know, the essence of w- the, one of your first original questions is like, uh, an entrepreneur, you know, like, again, I never dreamed of being a podcast CEO, but I think we're malleable to figure this stuff out. You know, we, we're like the Green Berets or the Navy SEALs. Like, you just throw us into the you know, to the fray, and we are going to figure it out, come hell or high water, because we don't have a choice. You know, there's no coming back. You got to, you got to fulfill, you know, your goal or your mission. And, you know, I've been given this great mission from a great family to, you know, create a premier world-class podcast business. And, and that is what we're going to do. Uh, it has been challenging for sure. Uh, yeah. And a lot of fun. Uh, COVID really put a hurt not necessarily on the business or, or downloads or production. It really put a crimp on our culture. Yeah. Which was something that we planted those seeds early on. Yeah. Um, I'm the only one in the office. I mean, the the studio is getting used, but no one's in here. The state just opened up today is my state of Ohio opened up today. Um, I walked into a CVS and no one's wearing a mask. Like, Oh no, I'm the idiot. You know, who's, <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I'm in San Francisco, okay? Like, you know, we're pretty much compliant, right? Yeah. And if you're fully, I mean, we are. Like, for there's is wacky things to say about San Francisco. And of course, there's all the, you know. Is it all true? It's not all true. <laughs> Some of it is, I'll admit, but uh, not all of it. But yeah, I mean, if you're fully vaccinated, state of California guidelines says you don't need to wear a mask. CDC, you don't need to wear a mask outside. So I'm outside, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm not wearing a mask. And people are looking at me a little funny, but then I see other people not wearing a mask and I'm like, okay, you know, and I walk into, but anytime we walk into a store, we wear a mask. That's the state of California law. We're not going to fully open until June 15th. We're like June, June 2nd right now when we're recording this. So, you know, the beauty, honestly, of this diversity of different States and how things handle it is it's an experiment. We literally are running 50 different experiments and you can, you know, banter all you want. And those are idiots. And those are idiots, you know, whatever. I'm like, look, run your own experiment and you will find out what works for your community. And I think for entrepreneurs, that's to your point, right? You don't know what you don't know, but as an entrepreneur, your job's to figure it out. So you drop in like a special forces green beret and you train the resistance (laughs) or or whatever. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's
0: honest. the truth. That's yeah. the
2: God that honest truth. And yeah. then we we had a lot of young people that you know who were gravitating towards podcasting mm-hmm. who were who now in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And you, you had to train them like Padawans. You, you know, you're like the Jedi yeah. Master coming in. I, I don't have the answers for everything, and none of us do.
1: Yeah.
2: Um but we we had some ways of sort of delineating our knowledge mixed with Hey, you got to go, you got to go F up on your own. Yeah. You know, you got to figure it out on your own. And it, it worked for most people. And Like 90% of the people here were very cre- intellectually curious. Yeah. Best question any person in humanity can ask. Why? Yeah. Why are you doing it that way?
1: Yeah.
2: How, you know, what's yeah. the thought process? Yeah. The constant questioning. Uh, that, that, I miss that because no one's here. We used to do it all the
1: time. Yeah. It probably ruined a lot of our work days. <laughs> Yeah. But so, but that's a good point. Like there's a lot of entrepreneurs right now, a lot of companies. I mean, a lot of them are moving out of California. A lot of them are moving out of San Francisco. Oh, we're going to be virtual office. Okay. So free to be you and me, do your thing. But to your point, which I'm so glad you brought this up, those discussions in the hallway at the water cooler, charging the whiteboard, random conversations at lunch, running into each other in the parking lot or going to the bathroom or whatever. That's the magic. You cannot replace that with the, with the zoom. Uh, I don't see how you could do it.
2: Those those, those are the secrets. So that's the secret sauce to any success story. Exactly. Are those connections and banter. And truth be told, I I I'm very proud of our original programming, but our original programming has gotten a little stagnant mm. because we're not here. Mm-hmm. Constantly riffing on ideas. You know, mm-hmm. we get on a Zoom, it's an hour, yeah. very uh, regimented. Yeah. But that's not how companies grow. Yeah, I'm not building Model Ts, man. Certainly there's a production element that we follow a routine with. However, we're a creative company and creativity doesn't follow those regimented formats. They just don't. They come out in the weirdest times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be a huge reckoning for that. I just don't see it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a highly functional introvert and I really don't like, I mean, I talk to people. I use this podcast to practice talking to people. It's silly, but I do um, because it's part of my job is my business. I need to develop relationships. I need to practice pitching myself, like all the things that tech entrepreneurs and generally entrepreneurs need to do. You got to learn how to talk to people. Okay. The thing that a lot of people are not missing are missing the boat on, especially the tech community here. And you're going to see all these things. Hey, we saved twenty five percent. Screw San Francisco, or whatever. Like we're going to go corporate office list, blah 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 blah. Right? And there's some people that have done that. Don't get me wrong. But when you dig in to like what they're really doing, they're building teams. Autonomous teams with decentralized control, as you know, Jocko likes to say. Yeah. And they're empowering them to do their job. And the central command, quote unquote, is run in the logistics. It's like the army, right? Or hey, we'll get you the bullets and beans, you special forces guys, you know, go train the resistance, right? Like you can't do it any other way because to your point, when you're creative. I need someone to bounce to, I need to charge the whiteboard. I need to lay like, you know, walk out of the room, go to lunch. We we need We need human interaction. And if, when you completely obliterate that, you're going to not going to grow. And I, I, you heard it here first, <laughs> Michael and I are <laughs> all you Silicon Valley people, you know, hear us out. <laughs> you know, we're old enough I, yeah. to
2: remember that it, during the dot bomb yeah. era, yeah. These are the same things same that bullshit. the yeah, Wall right. Street Journal, the New York Times, the San Francisco Examiner were talking about then. Yeah. 20 yeah. years ago, San Francisco is yeah. going to die. California is going to fall off the face of the earth. Yeah. But they, listen, there's a gravitational pull to great ideas and capital. And that is hard to, that is hard to replicate. Um, Cleveland is a perfect example of a 19th century Silicon Valley of great industrialism. Yeah. People and, t- and capital and talent coming together to build this country. But it missed a beat in the 70s, and it just didn't change. Whereas San Francisco in, you know, in the 60s and 70s were changing to a, a much more unique format. Yeah. I, yeah. One of my jobs, I worked for the city of Cleveland for Mayor Campbell, Mayor Jackson, as the tech are for city of Cleveland. My job was to oh, go out cool. and build a tech industry for the city of Cleveland. One person in an office. Impossible, but I traveled (laughs) everywhere. And it turns out that at the time, the president of Adobe was from Rocky River, which is a suburb of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I got the chance to meet him and we're talking about, you know, would there ever be a way to start bringing some tech companies back, back office stuff to Cleveland? What do you think? He's like, Hey man, I'll just be frank with you, man. Silicon Valley is a state of mind that you just can't, it is challenging to replicate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, could you get some companies to come your way? Oh, I'm sure you could. But they're not going to be, you know, the Apples, the Adobes, the Oracles. Those who just are, who, they've really built a culture upon intellectual inspiration, Mm -hmm. right? Capturing those coffee conversations that then generate product and solutions. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Those are missed opportunities when you don't have people. You know, in in a, in a congregation, yeah. yeah, right. And so, I can't. I'm glad we're buying this building. It's a big risk for the principals, for sure. But getting that, getting the team together, man, just means so much to me. And
1: love getting the band back together for sure. Keeping the band together through all this. <laughs> keeping the now, band too. Finally, getting them back together. Yeah. I just, I'm gonna, I'll cry. I'll, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's an emotional thing because you know, even me. Like the other day, I went to. A, uh, my fiance's daughter had a birthday party. She turned 12. And we mm-hmm. went to a miniature golf outside thing down in Mission Bay. And I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry. It's some stagecoach thing, I, whatever. I forgot. <laughs> right. First birthday party I've been to, like since COVID. Yeah. And, you know, it was awkward just because I'm awkward sometimes. But, just to see them happy and interacting. I mean, it's like first time all these kids have been together. They have, you know, they've been doing the school, the distance learning thing or whatever. Um, But then you, then you really, you look at that, you realize, yeah, like this is never going away. We, we, we will never do our best work unless we're together. And that doesn't mean that remote teams aren't good. Doesn't mean, but you have to have critical mass in an area where they can have that interaction. You can't, it's like, even with diversity, like I I've heard, I've I've talked to a bunch of diversity folks when they're trying to make a more diverse workplace, you can't just have one, one, someone, like it can't just be the one person. It has to be a community that are like them, that look like them, that talk like them, that are them, that are whatever they are, because you have that community around you that gets you. They're like, Oh yeah, I know where you're coming from. And I think that's when you bring people together. They're like, we're on a shared mission. We have a shared purpose. We can have those random conversations. That's never going away. And the companies that don't that bet against that, uh, their growth is going to stall, and they're going to have to do something about it. You know?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a hybrid, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, totally. I, I'm not don't demanding people be in the office, but we're going to build them a place where they, they want to come and feel safe. Yeah.
1: You yeah, had to feel safe. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like that's all I, I, good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Clearly I'm not talking about demanding people come back in if they don't feel safe. I mean, come on. Like I'm not that big an idiot. I'm not that big. an well, a-hole, right? I wasn't trying to crack brother. No, no. I'm talking <laughs> about the, the fans are probably right, yeah, the people that listen yeah. like, ah, here he goes ranting again. Damn crazy. Uncle Jari. Ah, always oh, telling us what to do. Oh, we're not telling you. It's like, these are stories we're experiencing, you know, you talked about storytelling. Storytelling's important. If you're an entrepreneur and you don't know how to tell a story, you're dead. The Best story wins. End of story.
2: Man, that's a vivid point. You're you're spot on. And and uh you know, just today we we're talking with an investment banking group about helping us kind of navigate through some financial waters. And I'm kicking myself because I missed an opportunity. Cause initially they're like, Well, bring up the deck, and then then they made that oh, no, no, you know, it's all right, we got the deck. And I'm like, damn it. I should have brought up the, the deck and I should have walked them through it the way I wanted to walk through it as opposed to letting them, you know, cause then they're going to see the passion and feel the thunder yeah. of all this activity behind us. And, I, and, it, you know, it, it was, it was a teachable moment to me. Like, all right, I, that I made a mistake on. And now going forward, I've got like a little checklist in my head of how I want to talk to investment banks about working with us. Right. It, it you know. A learning moment.
1: You you want to tell your story. That's right. I think the most, as an entrepreneur, the most important thing we have, the the absolute goal that you have to get nailed to the wall is your story, why you're doing it, what's your big idea. That will open more doors than any tech stack, any other bullshit. When people, because people invest in people, like they're going to invest in you, they're going to be like, Michael, you seem like a good guy. Check. Are you, Pat, you know, like they're going to evaluate you constantly and they're going to evaluate you on how well, how passionate you are about telling your story and do they believe your story? And, you know, I tell this to tech entrepreneurs all the time because tech entrepreneurs have the hardest time with this because they're like all about, oh, we got this great technology. I'm like, I don't care. No one cares. (laughs) No one cares. Who are you? What are you building? And why are you building it? Tell me the story. Like, I, I was listening to uh, a book called, um, oh, what was the name of it? Oh, totally escapes me. Effortless. A book called Effortless. And they was recounting the story of Warren Buffett buying a company from Walmart, some logistics companies, like some billion dollar, I don't know, 20, like some ridiculous amount of money. And a transaction like that, if you were, other people would take you years and millions and millions of dollars, right? And Warren Buffett had a two-hour meeting and said, "Okay, deal. Here, handshake. Let's shake on it. Done." <laughs> because he's like, "Well, I trusted them because I know their story. Like, I know that like Walmart's not going to screw me. Like, they had not in their best interest because they've told the narrative. Not only are they the low-price leader, but doing business with them is this way. People want the contract is not really." The contract is to make honest people honest. It's really, that's not it. Like your lawyer sees, you see words, I see words, lawyers see words, whatever. It's who you are, your bond, your story, your integrity. And the sooner you kind of realize that and learn how to tell your story better, the sooner you'll get the gravitation, right? I mean, I, it sounds like, I mean, what you're doing at Evergreen, like you're telling the story people are like, because people are downloading clearly. Yep. Now we just got to figure out, well, how are we going to make money? <laughs> I mean, you know, Blue Wire has got to figure that out too. I mean, you know, they've got investment and, you know, they they've all the stuff, great stuff that that Kevin and the team are doing. But the Well, they believe
2: question. in that story and you guys have a great model. And, you yeah. know, I think we've, we just flushed out a different model
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and it kind of fits our personality too. And I'm sure that strategy fits his.
1: Oh Yeah. 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 The, blue wire is definitely Kevin's I mean it's it's interesting because it's morphed like when it was just like three of us it's one thing but Kevin's a really shrewd and smart guy and he his superpower is he sees talent like I don't know how he does it but he can find talent and he can find talent and then he and then as time goes on he kind of learns how to because you know he's not this is his first CEO gig right he he, he learns like okay, How am I going to put the team together? So he's a very team focused and very like he wants to disrupt, right? In some sense, he's got a chip on his shoulder. And in some sense, he's like, I am going to jump. I'm going to jump over everyone, right? Like Because my vision is content's king. We're about the creators and I'm going to go make it. I'm going to go make a great place to work and it's working. And he's to your point, culture, super important. Culture, they didn't teach us in grad school. <laughs> no, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> yeah. teach us that in grad These are the things they don't teach you when you get an MBA, because I have an MBA too, right? Okay, they don't teach you about culture. Okay. They don't teach you about telling stories. They only tell you about PowerPoint decks and business models, which are all bullshit. Business model, come on, right? Like, as soon as you complete completed, it's completely, you know, it's yep. wrong, right? And the power of people like the true people skill of leadership is like, they don't like those soft quote on skills are the most important skills. They don't even teach you. I don't think maybe they can't, I don't know, <laughs> but well, you know, that's a good crazy. point. I think they can, but
2: it's interesting that, you know, when we got our MBAs, right. As was like, you got the hard sciences, finance, accounting, mm-hmm. marketing, which is all numbers. Mm-hmm. I think people surprises people when they get to that level, like, there's a lot of fucking numbers yeah. in marketing. Like, well, that's your job, man. It's to, you know, to see trends and numbers. And then yeah. I think we took, you know, a, a lot of negotiation, which I really dug. Mm-hmm. And then one or two HR classes, mm-hmm. which was more science-based, you know, personality systems and work ethic systems. Law, like labor law type. Yeah, it, it, but dry, it was dry. You know, it was like Melba oh. toast. There's no question about it.
1: Oof, awful. It was awful.
2: But those are all things that you essentially outsource or hire experts for,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? You know, I, I, I got to give credit to our chief creative officer, David Moss. Early on, we decided that the chief creative officer and the CEO were going to share the same office. Mm-hmm. So when you come into our office, we we are looked at as equals. The creative side of the business and the business side are equal. Mm-hmm. You know? And not one's priority over the other. And that we can make quick decisions together to propel the business. that was a big thing. So we're moving into this business, or moving into this building, I should say. And the discussion was, well, how do we get our office situated so that it's it's open for Mm -hmm. David and I? And it's been interesting because we want to go back and revisit how people could talk to both of us at one time Mm -hmm. or get a sense from you you know the cost approach the creative approach mm-hmm. the inspiration the reality right sometimes the inspiration and the perspiration <laughs> totally and it's an important thing for them Oh yeah to no it's quick. a balance yeah it is a balance and i don't think the ceos or c-level execs should be squired away i think they should be out in the open as much as possible and um you know, it's kind of like that walking around thing. We, most of our office space in this original office was open so that I could see people, talk to them, foster more conversations. Um, we had little areas where you could kind of duck into and get a little privacy and some quiet time with maybe one other if you needed to. So it, th- these things are vastly important to us to reestablish. Um, and, and truthfully, the last year and a half has been tough for me because I'm the only one allowed in the office, and I, I, I cannot, I, I need to be around people, man. Mm. I, I, uh, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so it's been, they didn't teach us how to manage through
1: pandemics either. And, and they and, did and, not, <laughs> but again, entrepreneur, you know, the creatives of the business world and the green berets or the seals, well, adapt and overcome. for <laughs> Adapt and overcome. That's uh, yeah. I,
2: I served some time in the Ohio military reserve as a, as an officer and the, uh, it was always hey we we go in, we figure it out, we adapt, we overcome, we stabilize, yeah yeah, you know? and uh, I feel the same way with 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 business, and I don't know what the next one's going to be,, uh, certainly my focus is here. I have two focuses in life, my family and the, and the business, yeah. and um but I think you could drop me in anywhere, and i think I really do believe I could stabilize or grow anything, anytime, any place, anywhere. Um, and there's a point, too, where I I know my limit. Like, I just, all right, it's time for someone else to kind of take it to the next level. And I got no ego, man, because I can go do something else. You know, I've never kind of felt like I feel like we're stuck in a box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Michael, I think that's a great place to end it today. What a fascinating conversation about, you know, we didn't even... Like, take the fist gloves off and hit each other. <laughs> Come on, it's too much brotherly love. I mean, we're all trying to figure it out, right? And I think That's it's true. important that everyone realizes that we're all in it together. The pie is big enough, right? Yeah, there's no zero sum game. And there's no zero, especially like what we're doing right now. I mean, in yep. generally, like entrepreneurs, they generally like to help each other too. So appreciate your time and, uh, Stay safe and uh, I'll be uh, looking forward to hearing how people in the office go because that's like a new paradigm. (laughs) Yeah, that is the new paradigm. People. Oh, my God. ah. Awesome. All right. Take care. Thanks, man. Thanks, Michael, for the great interview. I learned a lot. I mean, even though I'm on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, it's always great to listen to talk with other people in the industry So as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Michael. Creative growth happens through the impromptu interactions you have with others throughout the day. Michael spoke about the importance of those moments, and moments many of us have come to see as very valuable of actually going back into the office as opposed to remote work. So yeah, I, I share the same idea. I always think that uh, the storm in the whiteboard approach where you're all in the office together, like working on creative stuff is the best way to be creative. You can do it other ways, but I agree with Michael on that. Use every opportunity you have to tell your story. You know, there's a couple of times where Michael didn't do this and he reflected on how, wow, I wish I would have done that. So always have your story ready to go. Always be, of course, respectful of people's times, but have stories in chunks of, of little, you know, 10, 15, 5, 25 seconds so that you actually practice them, which I know sounds silly, but throwing in little stories and anecdotes just makes the experience a lot better. You don't have to be the one and only. Michael recognizes that there are plenty of room for more than one company in the podcast industry. It's carving out your own place. That's really important. I mean, look at what we do here at Blue Wire. I'm the exception, but Blue Wire has gone from sports, podcasting, and a lot of narrative form podcasting. So really, you know, find and seek your niche so that you can have a beachhead and then grow from there. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Michael. So thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits